Matthew chapter 2. It's the Christmas season. How many of you like Christmas? Uh, wow, it's, it's just a different, Christmas is an entirely different season. There's, there's nothing like Christmas. And I've said before, I love to preach Christmas. I, I love to start, of course, at the announcement of the birth and the birth and then his ministry and how can we forget the cross and then the resurrection. All a picture of salvation. And then it was heralded even before he came, peace on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank God that there is some peace on this earth. And then he's promised us an eternity. You just can't outdo the Christmas story. I want to declare to you this morning that every year as I approach the Christmas season, I, I tried to write the words. I am awestruck. I, that's the only way I know to, how to say it. I am awestruck, and again this time, at the manner in which God delivered salvation to a fallen world. Can you fathom for a minute, contemplate how many ways God could have done that, and yet this masterful plan to say here is salvation. I want to read a part of it in Matthew chapter 2. If you'll begin on your iPhone or iPad or a real Bible, <laughs> uh, chapter 2 of Matthew, I want to do verse 1 here. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have <clears throat> seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are you not the least, are, are, are not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is a major part of the Christmas story that <clears throat> I think has great significance. I want to just pause to pray for the reading of the word, shall we? Father, I thank you for this word. How delightful it is, God, to us. We are privileged people in America, Lord, to sit today in comfort and in freedom, 
and have the liberty to worship you in spirit and in truth. May this season, Lord, renew right spirits in us. May it renew, Lord, a consecration in us. May this season renew our relationships one with the other. Father, may it cause us to, again, realign our priorities that we might keep you first and foremost in our lives. Thank you for your salvation, the greatest gift of all. I pray you be glorified today in your word, in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. The last three weeks I talked about some confessions, and I kind of intended to do that today, but I, I just felt like I'd go a different direction. I want to talk to you this morning from these verses about how people react to Christmas. I want to, I'll just call it some uh, Christmas reactions or reactions at Christmas. I want to point, first of all, that in this portion of the Word of God, the reaction of some to the Christmas time and the story was this, they were troubled. I want you to know that I believe Christmas is a happy time. I think it should be a happy time. How many of you like Christmas because it brings joy? It's a, it should be a happy time. I thank God for it. Here's, here's what I like about Christmas. Family and fudge. Parties and fudge. Gifts and fudge. Food and fudge. I mean fudge and fudge. Plans and fudge. Traveling and chocolate fudge. Is there anything better than chocolate fudge? I'm telling you, that's what Christmas is about. I love it. But I want to tell you something about Christmas. It's also a troubling time for a lot of people. It, some have no family. Some have no genuine close relationships. And when that happens at Christmas time, it can be a lonely time. And loneliness and depression, and it can increase and take over the heart and the mind. And there can be a troubled heart in the in the time of Christmas. Herod was extremely troubled at the first Christmas season. He had a reason to be troubled. Wise men who had traveled almost two years, actually since the birth of Christ, came to Herod and asked the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? King? King of the Jews? Herod was king of the Jews. The wise men said, he that is born king of the Jews. No election, no appointment by higher powers, no government appointment, not by the power of sword or spear, not by the powers invested in the leadership. He was born king of the Jews. And Herod immediately felt jealousy and he was troubled in his heart. And let me tell you about Herod. Herod was a madman. Herod was a tyrant, a despot. And he was filled with rage and jealousy. This man so much troubled with this kind of, of, of personality and vengeance and probably insecurity in his life. He actually slew Five princes. And he slew five princesses. Five men. Five women who could have been heirs to the throne. He even murdered and killed his favorite wife just to keep the throne. And 
when wise men who were wealthy, who were powerful, who bear major wealthy gifts, when wise men said, where is he, this born king of the Jews, watch this, that we might worship him? Can you imagine what went through Herod's mind? I think I can imagine immediately that his mind said a rival had surfaced. Even though, here's what's so amazing. Men can think they are so intelligent and so powerful. And human beings can think, think themselves far more important than they really are. And men can rely on their own abilities. But I want to tell you, this book says you and I live and move and have our being only because we're kept by God. And here's a man, watch this, this powerful king, and even though he's pronounced just a baby, Christ has already so impacted the lives of people. Here came wealthy men, here came wise men, here came kings, VIPs if you will. They had been traveling for almost two years, and they brought precious Wealthy, costly gifts with intent to bow and worship a king. Herod's reaction to Christmas was troubled to say the least. And not only Herod, the very next couple of words said, and all of Jerusalem with him. Why would all of Jerusalem be troubled about the Christ child coming to earth? Here he is, again, called born king of the Jews. And not, here is all of Jerusalem. Here's the reason they were troubled. If another ruler is coming, how many of you know that ever, every so often we have to elect another president and a leader, and we don't know what's coming. Israel was troubled when they heard there was a king of the Jews born. Because would it mean more taxes? Would it mean greater demands? Would it mean that the whole government would change? And what changes might this new king bring? As a matter of fact, I think some of Jerusalem, the Jews there probably had this thought. Things are not good now. We are under the lash of a tyrant, Herod. We know he's a murderous mindset. Here, we're under the lash of oppression. But this new king that's here, what if it becomes worse than it is now? I want us to look at the human being for just a minute. Under, the, under this news of these wise men, a born king. Ladies and gentlemen, humanity, we like things as they are. We like things as they are, and we get used to it. We get accustomed to it. Have you ever noticed how, and it's good to be organized, we try to organize everything so that our life is easier. And let me just tell you this, once you get a few gray hairs and you forget where you organize things, you're not organized. You, you go from organization to hunting organization. It's, a, it's, it's kind of funny how we're like that. But we like things as they are. Can I tell you this? We like things as they are, even though we struggle. 
Even though we, we have problems with the way things they are, but we in human nature like things as they are because we are afraid of what is unknown. We wonder about it. But let me just t- take the positive side. The truth is, a change could be much better. So let me bring some Christmas news to you. If, you're in, if a change is in front of you, it could be for the better. Well, thank you for that one amen. But see, here's the thing. Fear always looks to the negative. Here's why. It, it, it looks to the negative because we don't know what's out there. The truth is, I, I must say this, any and every change that God has ever brought into my life was always for my benefit. He said he would order my steps, put a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path with his word. So let's look at it just a moment. When a liar stops lying, it's a good change. When a thief stops stealing, it's a good change. When a vile person becomes righteous, it's a good change. And I try not to put myself in those categories, but I will tell you this. I thrill, and I marvel, and I love Him, and I worship Him because of the change my Savior King has made in my life. I worship Him for it. Don't you? Let's give Him a hand for it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Today, the enemy, Satan, has sold our world a lie. There are millions and billions of people all over this globe that are living in a lie. And because of it, many are troubled. We have this concept today that Christ is only one way among, or only just one among many. But I declare to you, ladies and gentlemen, it's not this preacher and it's not a denomination and it's not certain clergy. It's not a certain brand of people that say there's only one way. It is God himself who said there is no other way except through my Christ to the earthly kingdom. You'll have to take that up with the creator who stood in nothing and spoke into nothing and everything that came into being happened. But th- this trouble, this this. This thought that comes to humanity. What, what must I, what would I have to do? And we think like this, what would I have to give up? What would my friends think and what all would happen if I turned my life over to God? I love the story. A man once made this statement. Follow it closely because it's such a picture of how we are. This man said, My great-granddad rode a horse because he was afraid of a train. Do you realize how we fear the future because we don't know it? So let me start again. He said, my great-granddad rode a horse because he was afraid of a train. My granddad rode a train because he was afraid of an automobile. My dad drove an automobile because he was afraid of a plane. And he said, and I fly a plane, and I'm afraid of a horse. (laughs) Every 
every generation has its fear because it doesn't know the future. This, this coming of Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, the reaction, it troubled a lot of people. There's a second reaction I want to I pay attention to just for a minute. Some were very indifferent, unconcerned. Verses 4 and 5 said that Herod called, please follow this, Herod called for the scribes and the priests, and he said, where was Messiah to be born? Here are these wise men and these wealthy men and these prominent people who came and said, born king of the Jews. And then Herod calls in all the scribes and the priests. I just want you to look at what a paradox this is. A self-proclaimed king is Herod, a ruthless madman, a despot, a dictator, a tyrant, yet he calls for those who know the Scripture. And he calls them, they know the Scripture, to find out about a baby he doesn't even believe in. Can I say how our world, they, they just miss it so badly. They answered from Micah's prophecy. We read it a while ago. They literally answered Herod and said he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. But I want you to notice, they, these scribes and these Pharisees, these priests, they knew the scripture. They knew that Christ would be born. And they knew where he would be born. And now, they know when. Because 4,000 years of prophecy has been fulfilled. And when the wise men left to find that king and left for Bethlehem, here's something I think is amazing. The scribes and the priests didn't go with them. They knew. They studied. They knew it to the letter. Crossing the T's and dotting the I's, so to speak. And they answered. But did nothing to allow it to affect their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a world full of people today in America that claim to be Christian, yet they do nothing to allow it to affect their lives. Here they are, religious leaders, like so many in our society today. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I say this, I say this with all the love in my heart I can muster. I thank you for believing in God. I thank you for believing in Jesus. But believing is not enough. You must allow this Christ child, this salvation that God provided, and the, the wooing of the Spirit of God to come and, and redeem you and let you be a part of the family of God. Yet our world, by the masses, is indifferent and unconcerned. It is a scary, frightening thing for me that our world does not respond even though we're religious to the truth. Thirdly and lastly, some, and I want to declare to you right up front, this is the crowd I want to be in. Some worshiped. 
And they weren't shy about it. Mom, dads, Christmas should be a time to teach our children to worship and to obey our God. Everything ought to be about our Father, His Son, the Spirit and how His Word works in us. Wise men, kings, the affluent, laid aside everything else in their lives. These were rulers. They were wealthy. These men had tremendous responsibilities. And they laid all that aside, everything else, and traveled almost two years. And they honored the Lord with their time and their treasure and their worship. I just thought I'd think of some ways that we might react and respond to Christmas. I want to make four suggestions, and I'll be quick about it. First of all, I think we should be practical about it. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not just another day in Judea. This was not just another time in Israel. This was when God said, I came to earth to redeem fallen humanity. And all these facts that are so numerous. I want to make some suggestions. Number one is this, sing. I think the Christians should keep a song in our heart no matter the circumstance. Sing, Christian. Sing, joyous Christian. Sing, victorious Christian. Sing, depressed Christian. Sing, attacked Christian. Sing, sing, sing. Because Christ has come and He is over it all. Praise His name. I don't care if you're Paul and Silas and you've been beaten and your hair's dried and the blood up on your back. Sing at midnight because God can earthquake the place. Sing, Christian, sing. When death hits the family and tragedy strikes, pastor, sing, isn't it a shame? It's your spirit. Nothing takes God by surprise. He has it all. Sing, do not let Satan ever take the song out of your spirit. Oh, I know, I know. Romans, what is it? Romans, I believe it's 8, it is, talks about that sometimes a Christian can be so heavy and there can be an attack of the enemy and so many things go wrong of which we're all familiar. And the scripture says even when we come, we cannot even speak and, and we come with a groaning in our spirit. I will tell you this, I, I don't want to sound like a martyr, but I know what it is to groan in my spirit when Satan comes. But I want to tell you something, I always follow that groan with Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones, insignificant ones, to him belong. They're weak, but he's strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Sing a song to Jesus. Give a personal worship. Secondly, ask. I think we ought to ask God to give you someone you can help. Find someone somewhere that needs something from you. I want to tell you, you'll never be happy chasing happiness, but I'll tell you, do something for somebody else and happiness will say, I'm going to get in step with you. And thirdly, send. Send. 
Hang on here because I'm going to take a different turn. You ready? Send someone a Christmas pardon. Or speak to someone a Christmas pardon. Take the telephone or the text or go see them and send them these words. I'm sending you. I'm giving you. I release you. I'm giving you my forgiveness. <laughs> now, please understand me. Do not write something like this. Don't write, in spite of all the dirty things you've done to me. In spite of how badly you wounded and hurt me, I'm sending, <laughs> I'm sending you this, this forgiveness and now start showing me that you deserve it. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't know very much about being humble in America anymore. We don't know a whole lot about humility. But I want to tell you, forgiveness can set you free. And by the way, if there's unforgiveness in you, it is not the one that hurts you that's in prison. It is you that's in prison. And it is not the one that hurts you that's full of bitterness. It is you. And God came to set all that free. Send someone a Christmas pardon. Let me just tell you something. Listen, a part of life is getting hurt. A part of life is being wounded. You're not going to walk through this wilderness of sin and not be wounded deeply and not be hurt from a neighbor or a boss or a family or, or, or a friend. Here several years ago, I had a lady walk up to me and pastor, I'm just so distraught. And she was, I could tell she's emotionally upset, really troubled. And she said, my aunt, my aunt promised me she would leave me all this and all this. And someone else came and took it. I lost it all, pastor. Actually, she didn't lose it. She never had it. But you understand her feelings and her emotions. I don't mean to be unkind to you this morning. But I want to tell you, our world is so selfish and it's so greedy about things that really are so very temporal. Pastor, if you had a $5 million handed to you, would you turn it down? No, I'd build us another building. I'd, I'd, I'd further the ministry. Pastor, they promised it to me. Someone else took it. I said lovingly to her, I said, ma'am, I want you to get past it. What? You didn't need it. What? And I said, answer this question. Have you confessed your sins to the Lord? Well, yes. And I said, have you put your sins under the blood of Christ? Well, yes. I said, do you live a Christian life obedient to the Lord? She said, well, yes. And I said, truthfully, you have all you need. Man, that is a big thought for us today, isn't it? Listen, please hear me. Life is far too short to live in misery and bitterness. Pastor, have you ever been through that? More times than you know. I wish I could tell you your pastor was a saint, but I don't have to tell you I'm not. <laughs> Listen, in eternity, everything here that's temporal will not matter a smithereen. 
Pastor, have you ever lost anything? Yes, I have. Did I enjoy it? Absolutely not. But I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is capable of keeping anything. Get free. Turn it loose. Get free from the torment inside your heart. Let the Prince of Peace that was announced come inside you. Let me say it like this. Let genuine Christmas be born in you again. But pastor, you don't know what they've done. You don't know. Don't put your wound and your hurt and all that agony and misery above the power and the mercy of God. For His blood can cover it all. God's peace is worth more than anything that could be purchased with money on this earth. And lastly, add Christmas to your decorating. What, 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 Pastor? Add Christmas to your decorating. I, I love these trees. I don't have a problem with it. I, 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 I look at these trees as if they're the trees that God created and they're green and it stands for life and I like the lights for the light that came and I'm going to take the best and the positive of all the Christians. I, one of the things when I was young I really liked about Christmas was mistletoe. I used to just love to stare at it at a distance and see its beautiful green leaves and the little white berries. And that's what I wanted out of mistletoe. I told you I wasn't a saint. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Add Christmas to your decorating. I wish I could start over as a parent. I've got a son today who's been playing drums for me since he was five years old in church. Try, I have a son today that's on duty as a state trooper in a distant state. But this much I know, they're faithful to the Lord. They're faithful to his house. They have their family in church. And that's wealth as far as I'm concerned. But I want to say again, add Christmas to your decorating. I was thinking about it the other day. I wish back when my son was born... I wish back at that Christmas I had, instead of putting the gifts under the tree, every year if I had it to do over, I would build an old crude manger. I'd go get me a manger, some sticks, and make it. And I would set the manger at the foot of the tree. And I'd put all the gifts in the manger. Pastor, why? Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above and the best gift of all He placed in a lowly manger and now whosoever will can come. Reaction to Christmas, some were troubled, some were indifferent, and some, were, some worshipped. So I want to ask you, What's your reaction going to be? What's going to be your reaction?